Joe Yolo by Taku. Chapter 2 After the Audition Well, that was certainly different. Joy marches out of the audition room with her head held high. She walks past the other groups and notices them, looking at her in shock. The Indian girls whisper to themselves, but Joy doesn't care. She hadn't even realised people could hear her from outside, but now she's not even phased. She looks at the boys and nods her head at them, but they just stare at her in confusion. Then, as she walks towards the door, she sees that girl sitting on the bench, looking a little awkward. Joy is beaming and literally feels like she is floating, so any weird vibes she's been feeling about that girl are completely gone. So she smiles at her and keeps walking past her, not waiting to see if she smiles back. She checks the time as she walks out, debating whether to go home and just lie on her bed, reveling in the delicious glory of this moment. Or should she go tell Wendy at the library what she's done? before Orange Hair tells her. She really wants to have manners and give Wendy the heads up. It amazes her how much she doesn't want to upset her. But nah, she wants to go and savour this moment alone. So she heads towards the bus stop. She walks across the car park and passes a shiny new Audi. Hello girl. Comes a deep voice from the window. Joy almost loses her shit as she jumps in shock. She hadn't noticed there was someone sitting in the car. The man staring back at her with a serious face smiles. What is your name, girl? Joy. Joy who? Joy Manero. Oh, this is so awkward, because even though she's never met him before, she knows he knows she can't just leave or ignore him because of African way. In this face-off, he's the elder and she's the child, and the elders always win. She isn't going anywhere until she's dismissed. She's silent, waiting for him to say something. And as she looks at his side mirrors and the tires, it dawns on her who he is. Professor Ningi. He's the one who organised this whole thing. Crap. So, Joy Manero, did you just come from the audition in there? Um, yes. I mean, no, I mean, kind of. She's freaking out because she has no idea how to explain that she wasn't dancing. He looks at her sternly. What kind of an answer is that, girl? Sorry, I mean, yes, I was in the audition. Ah, you want to be part of the dance program? He's looking her up and down now, and Joy is starting to feel very uncomfortable. The car parked two bays away now seems to be inching closer and closer, making the space she's standing in so much tighter. She takes a tiny step back to get her bearings. She's not floating anymore. Reality is sinking in slowly. Oh my goodness, she thinks to herself. What have I done? She's looking at the professor now and he notices her visible discomfort. It's okay, don't worry. I am happy to see another one of our young church girls taking part in this. You must have seen my daughter Yolanda in there. She's my ballet baby. She's a very good dancer. I'm very proud of her. Do you know her? Um, yes, but no, I, I haven't met her before. Oh, well, here she comes now. Joy feels a sharp pain in her stomach and looks up to see Yolanda walking towards the car in her ballet gear, carrying her bag. 
Yolanda looks quite uneasy. Joy wonders what's happened to her inside the centre. She looked fine before. As Yolanda gets closer to the car, she notices Joy standing on the other side and says, Hi. As she slowly opens the back door and throws her bag in. No, no, Yolanda. Don't get in the car yet. Come around and say hello to Joy Manero. She and her mama have come to our church a few times. Joy stays still as Yolanda walks slowly around the back of the car to the driver's side to greet her. I am very happy to see two of our young girls taking part in this program. They look at each other. Yes, the mayor will like this very much. Joy, by this stage, is fuming. This is so embarrassing. How the hell does she end up being ganged up on by pretty, pretty Yolanda and her smart-ass dad? Nah, man, this is bullshit. And now that he's mentioned Mama, Joy feels even more uncomfortable. They must know. Joy pulls out her phone and makes a deliberate show of checking it. Professor Ningi, I'm so sorry, but I have to go and check in with my supervisor at work at the library. She looks at him in the eye as she says that slowly, as a defiant last moment of triumph to show that she's educated and she reads. That's okay, Joy. Go. He looks back. We have an important meeting with the mayor now. Yolanda, get in the car. Joy gives a reluctant wave as she walks away. A little part of her feels sorry for that girl. Oh, these boys are terrible. They aren't even coordinating their moves. I can't watch this. But I have to. Okay, maybe I could work with this. Oh, they're done. Thank you, B-Flex boys. That was wonderful. The other two look at me. Perhaps I shouldn't have sounded so enthusiastic. I can tell the other two are still reeling after those two girls. Serves them right. I just can't believe what I saw and heard. All right, I just have to finish this audition. How many to go? Two performers. And then we have to decide who we let through. I look at Maxine and she's still got her sour face on. She always looks like she's got a carrot up her ass. And Pastor Joe, I've got my eye on him. I remember the boys at the office talking about that anonymous tip-off, about him being too friendly with the girls. I'm watching him and he knows it. Good. Maxine, are you okay? I'm fine. Just a bit hot. Pastor, how are you doing? We're almost at the end now. He looks completely exasperated. He's been texting furiously ever since Joy and Yolanda came through. His reactions were priceless, though. I would pay to see them all over again. Joy, what a joy. That poem was powerful. She wanted us to hear every single word. Multiculturalism. Smart girl. I can see it. I'll ask Paula to look her up for me in the system. Suss out her story. Then Yolanda. Beautiful girl with excellent technique. I really wasn't expecting that. Now both of them make it hard to keep this as a simple, safe program. The rest of these kids make it look boring. I have to find a way to work with those two. Sorry? What's the pastor saying now? Miss Olivia, what score did you give the B-Flex boys? I'm not sure yet, Pastor. We're close to the end now. Let's just tally up the scores after the last group. He's quite obnoxious 
and it's a wonder the community treats him like a king. There's no logical reason for him to be here judging a kid's audition. Surely he has pastor duties to attend to. I gave them a five, says Maxine. I look at her and this woman may as well be sucking on broken glass. She definitely needs to be seeing someone about whatever is bothering her. Between her and the pastor, how are we meant to make the kids feel safe? These two have no clue. The last group have finished their routine. Very sweet. But not compelling enough to get the kids out in the sticks to really sit up and take notice. No, girls. You'll have to do better than that. All right. Well, let's tally up the scores we each got and then we can read out our top three picks. I don't know why I said three. I only have two on my list. After a few minutes, the pastor pipes up and says, Officer, I need to leave promptly for an evening prayer meeting. My top three are the Flex Boys, the Indian Girls and the South Sudanese Girls. Why am I not surprised? But pastor, we've committed to be here until... Yes, but I have a church member who needs urgent prayer and when God calls me for his people, I need to go. Ah, the famed make-believe God. Why do people believe all that crock? I don't like how he brainwashes so many innocent people with this God stuff. I respect their religion and the nice old ladies, but he just doesn't sit well with me. Well, five more minutes, pastor. It won't take long to decide and then you can leave. Maxine, who do you pick? Same as the pastor and in that order. Pastor smiles and crosses his arms. Oh, I see. Well, I only picked Joy and Yolanda. I really struggled to pick a third act. Both of them are looking at me in utter disbelief. I secretly relish knowing that I have the final say on who goes through since the council and the department are funding the program. To be honest, these two are here as a courtesy. I was always going to have the final say. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I will consider picking the B-Flex boys. The pastor stands up abruptly. What Joy and Yolanda did here is a shame to the African community. I'll make sure that Professor Ningi is well aware of what we saw here today. We simply cannot let our youth be seen acting in such a way. In what way, Pastor? I ask, confused. Oh my goodness. Those we girls have oh. certainly ruffled huh. his feathers, this, and I can see children. he's still trying to work out what to say about it all. Maxine is very quiet and pensive, then pipes up. We are working with teenagers, so to be honest, let's pick a top three, and then I assume, Olivia, you will train them before they go on stage or on tour. Yes, but of course. Excuse me, I have to go. Pastor excuses himself and leaves us to pick the final three acts. Or two. Hi, please leave a message and I will return your call as soon as I'm able. Good day. Joy keeps walking towards the library until she sees the Audi turn the corner. She walks along the pavement and is about to head toward the bus stop when she hears her name. Joy! Joy! Wendy is running down the library stairs and heading towards her. It's too late to turn around and she can't run. That would be rude. So Joy walks to where Wendy is standing with her hands on hips. Joy, what did you do? Maxine just called me in tears. Joy is genuinely confused. What do you mean? Well, what did you say in that audition to make Maxine cry? She asks in a flustered voice. 
Oh, come into my office. We can't talk about this out here. Wendy starts walking towards the library, and Joy walks alongside her looking at her. She can't read her. Is she angry, or is she amused? Wait, that woman cried? What the hell is going on? Once they're in the office, Wendy sits on the edge of her desk, and Joy closes the door and sits in the chair by the window, like she always does. She's now looking at Wendy expectantly. This better be good. Maxine just called me in tears saying that you came in, told her off and stormed out. She was such a mess. I mean, really, I haven't heard her like this in a while. What happened? Joy starts to smile and really can't contain her satisfaction hearing those very words. Just like that. It worked. She won. Joy won. Orange hair zero. There is no way that Joy can tell Wendy, though. It's too much. So she simply says, Wendy, that's terrible to hear. Maybe she's having a bad day. My dance was a bit different and... But I thought you weren't going to audition. I changed my mind. Ah, I see. She sighs. Well, that's a good thing, I guess. To be honest, I'm worried about Maxine. I really shouldn't be telling you this, but she's having tough personal dramas right now. The husband is... No, actually, no. Uh, It's irrelevant. I just wanted to check you hadn't attacked or provoked her. I didn't think you would have. She's just a bit fragile at the moment. Shame, whispers Joy. Her smile is gone now, and she's not sure what to say to Wendy. So she points to the pile of books on her desk and says, Oh yeah, I haven't forgotten to catalogue those yet. I'll do it tomorrow when I come in. Wendy turns to look at them and snaps out of her moment of silence. That's fine. You go home. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to stress you too much with this Maxine thing. Don't worry about it. Go home. I'll catalogue these and see you tomorrow. Thanks, Wendy. Joy is over this chat and ready to go. She walks out of the library, down the steps and across to the bus stop. The bus is still three minutes away. So she pulls out her little notebook of words and starts writing. Today's word. Sycophant. Cops, chance, pants, typo, psycho. She looks up to check for the bus, and as she does, she looks at the next passing car and locks eyes with the driver. The driver's eyes are red and puffy, and her hair blazes like fire in the sunlight as she zooms past. Hi, please leave a message and I will return your call as soon as I'm able. Good day. I just want you to know Can't treat people like this I just want you to know Can't I just want you to know Can't I just want you to know Can't treat people like this I've been sitting here for an hour now. Jeez, how long can old men talk for? Dad's decided that it was better for him to go in and see the mayor without me. That's perfectly fine with me because I don't want to be in there with them. Ish, the shame of being introduced to Joy like that. 
For a split second, I thought we were okay when she smiled at me. And now dad's gone and killed that again. I hate that he bossed her around, and she's not even his kid. That is so unfair, and he sounded like such an asshole. I'd better text Nate. OMG, he was such a dick again. Sad emoji. I press send, and I hold my head and stare out of the window. My phone beeps after a few seconds. I told you. Um, Nate, I think he's gonna be hella mad though. Why? Cause Pastor Joe got hella bad in my audition. Dude, what did you do? I'll show you when I get home. Much as he annoys me, Nate is cool. Thank goodness he looks after me when push comes to shove and dad is on my case. I really don't like how Pastor Joe was looking at me though, but I love that he got mad. Fuck though. The shouting is going to be epic when dad finds out. I'll feel better once I show Nate, and as long as Pastor doesn't call before then, then I'll be alright. Yay, he's done! Finally, I can go home. But for real, why does he even walk like that? Like he owns the city. Oh no, why is he bringing the mayor to the car? I can't even deal with this. Yolanda, come out of the car please. I jump out awkwardly and stand before dad and the mayor. Hello, Mayor Spagalini. How are you? Yes, very well, Yolanda. Your father was just telling me how excellently the auditions went. I see you're dressed beautifully in your ballet attire. This guy is so nice, I can't even hate on him. He's nicer than the last mayor lady that was there, the dodgy one who burnt the car park down. Thank you, Mayor. I smile and I look at Dad, who's beaming again. He needs to stop doing that and acting like he has no friends. It's just not a good look. The smiley professor. <laughs> That's my dad. Wow. All right, Phil. Thanks for coming down. I better head off before Maria calls again. The mayor shakes Dad's hands and they laugh. I've managed to discreetly open the door and slink into the safe haven of my back seat before I'm dragged into any more conversation. As I close the door and watch the mayor walk off to the fancy new car park the whole city has been complaining about, Dad opens the driver's door and his phone starts ringing. He pulls it out of his pocket and answers whilst leaning on the car door with one leg in and the other out. Pastor Joseph, what can I do for you? He asks with a happy bounce in his voice. I feel sick. Why is the pastor calling already? I'm willing the back seat to just swallow me whole, right here, right now, but nothing is happening. Yeah, she's here with me. Dad now has both legs outside the car and is leaning on the door. Right. He bends down to look at me through the driver's seat, and he looks mighty confused. Right. Hold in one minute. He shuts the door and walks away from the car. I can see he's just listening because his arms aren't flailing around like they usually do when he speaks to Pastor Joe. I also can't hear the Africanized ha-ha he reserves for him too. He's about five meters from the car and still has his back to me, and with each passing second I'm feeling more and more uneasy. I watch the other people going about their lives innocently. A couple going into council building, probably to pay their rates. A parking officer walking down the stairs with his parking meter thingy-majig. 
No one knows or cares that I am about to die. My phone beeps and it's Nate again. FYI, I'm going to Dave's, so leave my GoPro on my desk. No, Nate, you can't leave me tonight. I need you. But there's no way I can tell him that because it means having to explain everything first. I'm halfway through my text response and I look up to find Dad has turned around. He's still listening on his phone and he's glaring at me. Oh, shit. I look away and turn my body ever so slightly so that I'm now facing the window. Then I look down at my phone and text back. Do you have to go tonight? I think Shiz is about to go down with Dad. Like, for real. Ha! Sucks to be you. Mount the GoPro on the cereal shelf and I'll watch the drama later. Yeah. Thanks for leaving me. I write back sarcastically. True though, filming again might be good. Crap, he's coming back. Got to sit up straight. Dad opens the door, sits in the driver's seat and starts the car. All I can hear is the car engine singing. Why did Pastor Joe call me? Uh, I don't know, Dad. Faking ignorance. He's starting wide with his interrogation. And he's too mad to look at me. Yolanda, I said, why did Pastor Joe call me? This time, he's turned to face me, and I can see he is seething. Um, mm -mm. I don't know what to say. He's silent again and turns to face the front. He looks outside and seems to remember where we are. The mayor's secretary walks past to the fancy car park, sees Dad and waves. He flashes a smile and waves back. He violently puts the gear into reverse and he turns his head in my direction to check where he's going. As he looks past me with the car moving in reverse, he says in a controlled voice. I want an answer to that question by the time we get home. Joy opens the door and hears her mum talking to Prosper in the kitchen. Come on, you said you'd have it today. Money doesn't grow on trees, mum. What do you want me to do? She walks into the kitchen and greets them both. Prosper just looks at her blankly and her mum walks past her to get to the fridge and asks, How are you, Joy? Did you have a good day? Yes, Mama, I did. You? Had a good sleep until someone woke me up with their loud music. Why do you say someone like it's actually someone you don't know? We all know that someone is me, so why don't you just say Prosper woke me up? Joy and her mum are both quiet. Joy grabs a glass from the rack near the sink and opens the tap full blast and for a moment it's just the sound of loud running water in the kitchen. Mama breaks the silence. Joy, I'm leaving a little early today because we have training. I've already cooked the nyama, so all you have to do is the rice or sadza. She trails off as she walks out of the kitchen towards her bedroom. Joy's left with Prosper. And as she walks past him, he grabs her arm suddenly and asks, How come you haven't asked me how my day was? Because you always give the same answer, Prosper. You never have a good day. Don't be a smartass, Joystick. He knows she hates that name, but then she remembers it's not even worth the fight right now. She just wants to go to her room. She pushes past him and he lets go of her arm. She walks to her room and slams the door. Joy! I've told you not to slam my doors. Wanswa! 
Mama's voice carries through from the room next door as her perfume starts to descend on Joy's room. Sorry, Mama. She yells back as she dumps her bag on her desk. She takes her shoes off and opens the window. She takes her bra off and remembers to lock her door. Now she's free. She jumps on her bed, then slowly eases herself down on her back, looking up at the ceiling. She did it. Yes! She says as she fist pumps to the sky. Then she remembers Orange Hair's puffy eyes. She feels a little bit bad, but it's not her fault if the lady has man dramas. She shouldn't be such a mean cow to everyone. Now that that's done, she's got to work out how to react when Mama finds out. To be honest, she won't be too phased because Prosper does worse things. Like, the cops are always here. She even has a special set of coffee mugs for when they come over. Nah, Ma won't be pissed off. She'll get over it. Oh, but Wendy though. Wendy might get proper mad. Joy decides she must check the Watch Out website when she wakes up. She can feel herself slowly drifting off to sleep. Mama knocks on the door. See you later, Joy. Okay, Mama. She mumbles sleepily after the front door has shut. She dreams she's driving half a car. Yes, half a car. It's been sawn right down the middle and she's watching herself drive from the left-hand side. The road winds endlessly up a hill and she can see it going on and on and on forever. Her half-car moves slowly, but the wheels aren't turning. Then she can smell meat, real bloody meat. But the road is clear. All of a sudden, the car's gone and she's standing on a beach. She's alone and the waves are gently lapping on the edge of the sand. The sun is shining and she looks out to the horizon where she sees huge, terrifying waves of the deepest blue smashing around ferociously. And there, right in their midst, looking petrified, and standing on what seems like an invisible pedestal is Yolanda. Hi everyone, I'm Takum Budzi and I'm the writer and producer of this radio story you've been listening to. Joyolo is a work of fiction that I wrote in Australia and I've been recording it in Melbourne with a few different people acting as the different parts. So if you want to find out more about the voice actors, the inspiration behind the story, some of the sound effects I've used in putting it together, just visit taku.com.au forward slash joyolo, spelt J-O-Y-O-L-O, and you'll find our pictures there and more information. But honestly, thank you so much for listening, and there are more chapters coming soon.